This is The Waycast is a podcast where we recap every Star Wars episode as it's released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert, and you have been warned. Hi everyone, welcome to another season of This is The Waycast. This time we're back with The Bad Batch for season two. I'm Sarah Edwards, the resident Star Wars writer at Boardwalk Times. I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, a columnist and podcaster at Boardwalk Times. It feels like we have been waiting for so long to be back in the Bad Batch universe. I have been waiting ever since that season finale. What was it, last summer? I have been ready. No, it was two summers ago. It was, and here's the thing. I didn't even know that until someone said it's been like 500 days and I was like 500 days yeah almost two years wow it does not feel that long but at the same time it feels like it's been forever like I've been waiting for the show and we were constantly had it like dangled in front of us and now we finally have it and got a two episode premiere and what a two episode premiere to start on I mean it actually feels like two episodes that perfectly fit with each other it's not the 70 minute premiere for season one because that was a lot of stuff up for the story it does feel like a mission that just happens to be two episodes but i'm glad that they they have stuff like this in the show which for those who don't know the show will have three major breaks where they'll release two episodes on one day for the beginning which we just got the middle and the ending that way they can get through it sooner because as we all know this year is huge for star wars we're getting mandalorian in march ahsoka whenever and we're also getting jedi survivor in march so it's a lot of stuff so they're trying to trying to wrap things up quickly so whenever we get to mid-season expect another two episode special one of these weeks which not only that but i also predict that having these breaks just means that they're really putting a lot of emotion on us i mean in this season we're supposed to tackle so many things we're supposed to watch the bats trying to become humans and less like soldiers we're supposed to see what happens to commander cody and we're also just supposed to in a way watch a rebellion of some kind i mean there's so many elements that are in a way going to be wrapped up in this season but also that have to open the pathway to more i mean it's just gonna be so much and i'm here for it (laughs) yeah same and here's the thing this episode finally gave us some things that people were wanting from this first season and specifically because you mentioned the themes of the show i'm talking about echo echo gets so much to do in this episode that it feels like he finally has something to say because unlike the rest of the batch who do want to like you said just be normal people he's like no we have the chance to fight we should fight which is very much in echo's respective character from the clone wars so i really like to see more of him not only that but i feel like he's developed so much so like when we first meet him in the clone wars he's very shy he's very much i don't want to fight i only want to fight if i have to and now here we are in bad batch season two and he's essentially taken a stance like fives he wants to fight he wants to brawl and in a way he's a little bit of a jerk in these two episodes but it really just comes from his place of passion yeah no it's true now that you mentioned him being a jerk i'm yeah yeah you're right he kind of does treat yeah. omega hunter and tech like oh you guys are dumb like we need to yeah we need to get it out there we need to be out there and <laughs> i think that's all pretty fun i actually found that a lot of the enjoyment of these episodes was the clashing of heads inside the batch mm-hmm. and how they're all learning different things like Omega's still very much a child she has her doll and she's you know tr- constantly trying to prove herself to them where there is all like they're just like i just want to grill like leave me alone we shouldn't be doing stuff like that omega and omega's like (laughs) i don't care i'm gonna be a super 
superhero. <laughs> and so you have all this dynamic, family dynamic going on. But what was interesting is we actually get to see them split into different little pods that I didn't expect. Like Wrecker and Hunter, that's a duo I did not expect to really get to know. You know <laughs> what I mean? But they were really funny together, especially Wrecker. He he carried the second episode for me with his little cannon. He did. Oh, he's so adorable. He's literally a little boy in a man's body. And I love that they keep that adorableness. Like it makes his character so lovable. Yeah, he's not like Zeb or any of the other like major yeah. muscle heads we've had before. He feels a lot more youthful and it, it informs who he is, especially at the beginning when he's talking to Sid and our new character played by Wanda Sykes. I'm forgetting the character's name, but <laughs> he says, yes, ma'am, whenever she tells him to lift something for him or for her. And I thought that was really fun. Like just the little things. It's the little things. Oh, like another little thing is AZ being at the entrance and he yeah. has to say his stupid full name now. every time. <laughs> He can't just say AZ. So let's break it down from the beginning. I really loved the way they started this. First of all, the planet that they put us on, amazing, beautiful, gorgeous. The colors popped. And I love that we, I mean, I love that season two just kind of picks up where we left off, quote unquote. It starts in the action. It gets going. We have some Star Wars Meyer lurks from Fallout that are attacking the batch. It's, I just love the the comicalness of it. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's very comic, but it also feels so like not too goofy you know what i mean it doesn't feel like yeah. we're, we're out here with the prequels level jokes or anything there's, like that there's drive there's something mm-hmm. driving the plot consistently and and i i really like sid i really like this uh <laughs> intro after we get the big you know crab fight which that was actually pretty cool to see omega using her bow and it actually doing some damage she's gotten a lot better at that thing and we get the little moment with tech which pays off later where he's like mm-hmm. hey you should study the ships and everything just in general just having a little fun like you said colorful opening to start the new season it's a good way to bring us back into the batch and back into the flow of things them going on these missions that they don't realize are probably not as like crazy as some of the other things going on in the galaxy but you never know i really do like the family dynamic they're establishing here because that's something that a lot of people on social media have wanted is they wanted to see more of that family that brotherly dynamic and that fatherhood dynamic of raising omega and i felt like we got a really excellent taste of that in this first episode like you have Hunter as you know being a dad like why is Omega hanging outside of the ship you have Tech who's like hey you should be studying like they're still very much trying to think of her enrichment and I also love that their end goal they're like how are we going to settle down and take care of her like we're not just going to abandon her and Echo's very much taking a Hera stance like no we need to fight we need to do this so a lot of conflicting points but they mold so well together and I it just set up for a great premiere oops I almost lost myself there Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's really cool that in general, what, what we're getting is instead of just going off the, the finale and being like, oh, uh, now there's drama. Instead, it's like, OK, there's a time skip. And be, like you said, we're getting to, to see them as more of a family unit as opposed to just guys going on missions. And the missions are just a part of their daily lives at this point. Mm-hmm. And Hunter knows that's not normal for Omega because it seems like the theme for the new season, like you said they're trying to find like a way to lay low and like settle down but they're also trying to make things good for omega he specifically says oh because of her blah blah blah. and then echoes like the one who's being an antagonist like no mm-hmm. because of her we shouldn't make excuses we should fight and all this other stuff so yeah it's interesting to see how they're going to develop that across the season because there are a couple elements we haven't even gotten to in these first two episodes just yet because these first two episodes set up more of like the batch's like central dynamic and not so much the main conflict 
of the entire season, which I assume will be cross air in some capacity because of things that happen in the second episode. Yeah, I going back, I really liked how casual this mission kind of seemed like, yeah, we're just going on a couple of missions. It really it it helped bring you back into the realm of Bad Batch. And then the end is like, oh, now we're getting down to the nitty gritty of what this season is going to be about. And one thing I also noticed is throughout these two episodes, the colors kind of got darker the more we got into the premiere. We started off with beautiful, bright, vibrant colors. And by the end in that final scene, very dark, very muted colors. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing for the rest of the season. It was a very smooth transition. You know what this season's reminding me of a little bit? It reminds Hmm. me so far of the earlier seasons of Rebels, where like they were... They had like dark moments, but a lot of it was like them going on missions. And then as yeah. the season progresses, more and more stuff happens because for for the press, they got to see the first 14 episodes of this season, but they did not give them the last two, which was the finale. So I assume that the last two are going to be a lot more dramatic because from yeah. what I've read from people who watched the first 14, they said that it was very much in the style of the first season, um, but they didn't know how it ends. So to them, it was like, oh, yeah, this is a, a season of like the Bad Batch doing stuff, but they didn't say that there was anything crazy. So that makes me think that they're saving the like big dramatic reveal moments or anything crazy like that for the last two episodes, because there are things in in this premiere that are pretty special. Like, for example, Sereno, I didn't expect to get it this soon. It was in the trailers, but we get to see Count Dooku's little hideout, his castle, except it's all demolished. And and they mentioned that the planet was bombarded after Mm -hmm. the Clone Wars, which is kind of sad. Like Dooku is not all of Sereno as we see in the mm-hmm. episode. We meet the old man. And so to hear about this planet that was once proud, just completely demolished because the Empire does not discriminate for separatist or Republican Republic. <laughs> separatist or, or Republic or anything. They don't care. So it also helps put into perspective of where this show is set. Because we're in a Clone Wars timeline, it's hard to remember that this is after episode two and a long time before episode or no it's hard to remember that it's right after episode three but still a long way to go until episode four i mean it's like when they said when dooku was reigning it was like oh yeah dooku's dead at this point in time probably only for a little while not very long but i mean his death is still very fresh and separatists are having to scramble like oh what do we do and the only other times that we've ever seen seranos was when asajj ventress went to go and try and assassinate dooku and then the box episode when obi-wan was disguised as that bounty hunter to get closer to cad bane you know now that you mention it um and those episodes are pretty memorable i swear there's maybe something else that i'm forgetting i feel like there was another one but i do remember the asajj ventress episode um just in general uh, like you're saying with the time periods it's, it's that's something that clicked when when uh, i was watching the episodes i'm like wait a minute we're watching clone troopers shoot at other clone troopers and and they're the bad guys like this feels really weird like it's kind of yeah. hard to to think about that because we're so used to the empire just being stormtroopers that like this is still pre 
um, Empire takeover. Like they're slowly taking over stuff, but this isn't like Andor where the Empire is completely everywhere because it's been 10 years of the Empire. This is still like a few months in as far as we know. So yeah, it it feels very strange. Like they don't even have TIE fighters yet. They have the V-wings, which make TIE fighter-esque noises. And so Mm -hmm. you get these like little feelings, but then there's a switch that flips when when it comes to the clones that makes them completely different. And I feel like that's a storyline from season one that's going to continue into this one is watching the clones be devalued because you'd assume after Tafoka City blew up that they were just going to phase out clones completely. But yeah, yeah, here they are and they're bad guys. It feels really weird. So that's something that we can get into more later near the end of the second episode because of what happens. But yeah, no, this is very surreal time period to be seeing play out in a Star Wars like anything really. Yeah, absolutely. So much of episode one kind of sets up the mission. It sets up what they have to do. It sets up, you know, going to Serrano's and then we leave on such a cliffhanger that I'm so glad they released the second episode. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. The second episode is where we really get more into the Serrano's culture and the history, quote unquote, when we meet this old man. And another thing we forget too is that Omega has never been able to be a child. And that can be seen when the old man is handing her a toy and she's like, what the heck does this do? What do I do with it? I mean, she's always had to think everything needs a function. Everything needs to have a use. She's never gotten to have the chance to be a child. You're right. And she thinks it's treasure at first. She's like, oh, are these jewels? And he's like, no, Mm -hmm. it's just glass. Like, it's just a toy. (laughs) What do you care? So I found that really fascinating that Omega is the character archetype, like I was saying earlier, who wants so badly to be like an adult, but doesn't realize Mm -hmm. that that's not really the life for them. And then the batch is trying to provide her with the child life, but they can't because they're, I mean, they're mercenaries and they all they know is missions, which here's another interesting point that I was noticing in the episode. And I'm I'm sure you noticed too, because it's obvious is these guys are going non-lethal for these missions. Like even against the crabs, they weren't necessarily yeah. trying to kill them. Like, yeah, That's they a have a huge turnout for change for them. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's like, um yeah, it's like you said, it's a huge change because they're using stun blasts instead of trying to, you know, kill everyone. And and it's like, oh, it's like they're trying not to kill their brothers. But at the same time, they're getting shot at by real weapons. Like these guys do not care that we're so used to seeing clones killing, you know, droids and they don't really care. And then stormtroopers obviously never use sunblast except for like once against Leia. And even in Rebels, they don't they don't shy away from like trying to kill people constantly. So it's interesting yeah. that the Bad Batch is so non-lethal. And it makes me wonder if Omega is the reason for them being like that or if they genuinely only do it against clones that's true because we really haven't seen them up against anyone else because before with animals you know they were like yeah we'll kill it we'll kill what we need to um and we haven't really seen them fight anything else other than that and droids but i could see it being you know trying to set a better example for omega but also because they still have a little bit of a soft spot for clones like we don't know what's going to happen to the clones and that's something i really hope this season explores is that transition away from clones and using more recruits and i really get that feeling that the clones are not as valued like they used to like they really feel like enslaved people at this point and rather than the clones that I grew up loving and just having fun with yeah it's interesting to see that that the idea of an army that is so perfect is imperfect to the empire like you would think that they would just want to continue using these guys but we see at the end of the second episode with uh, Rampart where he's like haha you are dumb because you follow the rules the empire has to have some leeway which ends up being the 
empire's downfall as we saw in andor is mm-hmm. all this middle like middle management neglect and corruption and stuff so the fact that they know these clones are a little bit too effective seems to scare them because they're like oh well we don't have room for error in the empire everything has to be perfect so and we're all trying to belittle each other because like andor rampart is trying to rise the ranks clearly which is why he doesn't oh, want to yeah. report his failure with topoka it's like dedra and blevin and all those characters from andor that are trying to like fight each other at the isb although obviously he's not isb i, I assume he's imperial navy mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see these little bits of Im- imperial bureaucracy in all these uh different shows and i'm excited to see where that goes because that seems to be the <clears throat> it seems to be the new central conflict this rampart is going to want to find these guys and kill them so it doesn't look like he failed but that's another thing i want to go into skipping ahead to the end how did that come out because crosshair knew that the batch survived was all of the way that they planned it i'm wondering if crosshair articulately said the batch is gone they died they were killed and rampar took that suggestion as okay yes we succeeded and that's how they carried it out like how did i want to know the the setup that made the empire believe that the bad batch is dead now that you mention it i think that's exactly what happened i think crosshair lied in I fact think so too here's a good question where even is crosshair what if crosshair is also yes. on the run like what if that's the reason why they don't know and they just assumed oh yeah the bad batch all died here like we just left the planet blown to smithereens so who cares that could be it that could be the reason why they yeah. don't they have no idea so yeah and that would explain why they didn't bring crosshair in either because mm-hmm. he wasn't in these two episodes he nope. really is like a quote-unquote special character because he's not in every episode he's a main character but he doesn't show up in every episode so i wonder if because either he manipulated the report to say they were dead that's why they didn't bring him in because his whole mission is to find them or he is on the run we don't know what his so what his status is right now we do know that if i remember that he and cody team up if i remember from the trailers unless i'm thinking of something else but he's gonna come into play in some way but against the empire or against the bad you know what now you mentioned it that is that is in the trailers i i'm starting to think yeah so where is he now yeah. <laughs> so does he work for rampart anymore maybe he doesn't maybe it's like a whole other thing but yeah that seems to be something that we're gonna have to look forward to but obviously we don't have any indication of uh what what we're gonna see from the stormtrooper program itself just yet because in the mm-hmm. first season the idea was the elite troopers which were all pretty mediocre for being honest like they just die instantly to crosshair by the finale so yeah. it's like or the second to last episode so it's like are they gonna do elite troopers again or are they gonna start phasing in actual stormtroopers and then we get to see these clones because it seems to me like rampart's gonna use the fact that the uh stuff got robbed on sereno as an excuse to just phase out the clones on that facility like oh we don't need them over here because they sucked because they failed against a bunch of thieves yeah and obviously he's also using that as a cover-up for his failure to kill the bad batch and i could see that because going back to obi-wan we saw a clone that was very disheveled very much just trying to get by who was asked on the street asking for money i wonder if we're going to start seeing that as well we we just see renegade clones who were phased out and they're just like i don't know what else to do i don't have money i don't have a life like i i think that's another interesting dynamic that we should explore and i hope that we explore in this season there's just so much going on now that now that we're talking about this and it's like churning in my mind it was stuff i wasn't even thinking about watching these episodes like i said they felt like really entertaining just regular episodes of something like rebels or even the first season of bad batch where i was like oh, i am having a good time 
time with yeah. my clone boys. It's like the good old days <laughs> from 500 days ago or whatever. And so, <laughs> and so I didn't even consider all these like little things because here's another character that like, where is he? Is Captain Rex? Because we know yeah. he has to be in this. What's like, it's he up to? Obvious. Yeah. What's he up to? What's Is he going to meet with Cody? Is there going to be a reveal? Because obviously they're not going to have Obi-Wan in this series. I don't think. No, so I, think I don't think so either. The fan wish of Cody meeting uh, Obi-Wan is not going to happen anymore. At least like not within like something media, maybe in a novel or something. But I don't think that's something that's going to happen, which is a bit sad. But at the same time, I guess it would be a little bit weird for Star Wars characters to just constantly meet each other at points in time just to say, oh, we have these characters meet because it would be dramatically interesting. So I don't know. But but I do think Rex and Cody meeting will happen. I think that is something that is inevitable. Not only that, but they had such a big part together in the Clone Wars. They were always a team together. They were always on each other's side. So I think that would be a really great reveal moment um, into what the heck happened. I I, I really do also want to know what Rex is up to. Like, is he out trying to find Wolf and Gregor? Well, we know where Gregor is, but what about Wolf? Like, are we going to see that whole reunion or is this something that they're going to save for another season? Like, to me, it almost feels like season two is where they wrap everything up. At least that's how it's being set up for me. But at the same time, it could also just be like, we could have many more seasons ahead. We just don't know. Exactly. And and there's all these things we talked about in season one. So now that we're back on this pod talking about Bad Batch again, <laughs> I can reference the first podcast. I went back and listened to some of our episodes by pure chance because I was listening to the new Andor episodes making every making sure everything was working just right. And mm-hmm. it randomly played an old episode of us talking about Bad Batch. There were things I said in that podcast that came true a few months later. Uh-huh. And I was like, what? I said specifically, <laughs> Cad Bane is going to show up in the book of Boba Fett. I said that oh, in our yeah. podcast and I completely forgot about that. So when we got to that episode in, in Boba Fett, that my mind was just like, oh, Cad Bane. And so it didn't even occur to me that that was something that we had discussed previously. So the more I think about it, I think things we say for this season may end up being true either by the end of the season or in something else because mm-hmm. because of Omega, because we kept saying that Omega might show up in book of Boba Fett and obviously she didn't. So I'm just like it feels like there's an entire story chunk missing with the Bad Batch from the future like post episode four so that makes me wonder if they're going to continue their story in seasons like during and after A New Hope depending on whether or not they join the rebellion or if they have something completely different planned for them based on rumors I'm hearing about the future of Star Wars television because people are not ready like I teased you guys with the end of the Andor podcast but the more I've been hearing I'm like people are not ready for these new shows I think Mando season three is just going to be the tip of the iceberg because the downward slope of stuff that's coming out for the rest of the year is going to blow our minds. Like, that's all I'm going to say. <sighs> I'm really excited. But in terms of the batch, there are so many unanswered questions that I feel like as we go throughout this season and as we have more things to say, some of it's going to end up being bigger than we realize. Like I said, Cad Bane, that was something yeah. I just like spitballed into existence. And I'm like, oh, whoa, it actually happened. There's just so many elements that Bad Batch dips into. I mean, Omega is going to have a bigger storyline than we realize because she is another descendant of Jango in a way. She was created for Jango. I mean, at some point, her and Boba's storylines have to come together. I I don't see how I I feel like it would be such a great plot line where she's like, wait, I have an actual brother or I had a dad. I don't know if that's something where they would go to, but Ah Ahsoka too. Like Captain Rex has a big role with Ahsoka. He was always with her. That's how they ended the Clone Wars. And he showed up very briefly in Tales of the Jedi my biggest worry is that they want to try to keep live action stuff in live action 
action and animated stuff in animation with a few teases here and there. Like people who hadn't seen the animated shows would have no idea who Cad Bane is. If they were watching Book of Boba Fett and they had never seen any of the animated shows, they were probably like, who's this? Why is this such a big deal? So I think we're very quickly reaching a point where you need to have seen both live action and animated to understand. But my worry is, are they going to pull the right elements from each? Does that make sense? It does. And now that you mention it, that's actually going to be a part of the confusion with stuff like that I'm trying not to talk about. Well, one thing I can say is we all know every all of the listeners who have watched Rebels, Clone Wars, and Mandalorian know that the Ahsoka series is going to be essentially a sequel to Rebels, mm-hmm. except Rebels is an animated show. It's like you're saying, you have to pull these elements and then not confuse people who've never seen that stuff. Because here's another point that like is confusing for people who didn't watch stuff like Clone Wars or anything. The beef between Cad Bane and Boba Fett is never expressly shown, but it was going to be in canceled Clone Wars episodes mm-hmm. that were technically released. So all we have is those and that are technically canon as the implied reason why Cad Bane shows up in Book of Boba Fett for, for non-animated fans, for people who don't even know about any of that stuff. They don't know any of the like drama behind the scenes about when Clone Wars got canceled and everything. They're just like, who's this blue guy who, yeah. whatever. Like, So you're right. There are elements that they're going to have to pull that it's like confusing that's why that's why i'm saying so much that the bad batch to me is like an enigma where i'm like what are they gonna do with the show are they gonna keep it completely animated and if so how are they gonna blend them with other stuff because another element from this season that is going to carry over from the first one i don't even know if i want to say it i don't want to spoil it well there is a character who appeared in the first season who's a complete surprise and they're coming back in this season so that'll be interesting um but i guess since we're here talking about the future and all this stuff i just want to spitball one character that has not been spoiled or in any trailers or anything mm-hmm. i think it would be interesting because we're talking about omega's relationship to Django to have boba fett show up uh as a young mercenary guy before mm-hmm. trying to figure comes. out what's going on yeah ex- exactly like just see him trying to figure out what's going on in this period of time like i think he would show up in, maybe not in this season maybe in next season but it'd be a nice way to have i forgot the actor's name the guy who voiced young boba because he was also young boba in the prequels daniel logan yes thank you daniel logan it would be nice to have daniel logan voice him again because he keeps complaining about how he didn't get to play him in live action (laughs) it'd be nice to get him to come back and have like a little interaction with omega and the batch i think that would be a good way to vindicate him and also bring all these elements together and that way we don't have to see stuff like cody and obi-wan we do get some sort of fan service interaction of sorts but and it makes sense because these guys are mercenaries of course they run into other bounty hunters and things like that so i don't know i mean i could totally see them running into like bad batch is very quickly becoming an essential show rather than just a fun little side spinoff it has so many elements and so it it can put its hands in so many different bowls in star wars because of how many elements they have i could also see omega having her own spinoff set in the future because i mean we have to find out like what happens to the batch we there's just so many questions around surrounding her existence she doesn't age like the other clones so i could see some really tragic ending to the batch and her carrying on their legacy and having a character of her own i she they've just created so much of a backstory and a developing story for her i don't see it just staying in the bad batch and i really hope that they don't keep her there it makes me think that like we were saying she's one of those elements that may carry on into live action because unlike uh tamara morrison who obviously he's aging 
aging and mm-hmm. they're they're gonna use the aging tech on him at some point i bet oh yeah for the clones like it's getting kind of like obvious that that's what they're doing for all their characters at lucasfilm but specifically when it comes to her she's a character that they can just make up for live action and just cast a real actress from new zealand who yeah easily just dye her hair blonde and have her be omega in live action i feel like she's a character that they would want to do uh like a larger story with like you said carrying on the legacy of the batch in something else now what that something else is zero clue we have no idea what where this is going so like i said i feel like this season is going to end a lot bigger than it started and i feel like there's a lot of ambition here that we're not seeing from these first two episodes because everything is being re-explored and reset up like oh here's sid here's the new character and um here's rampart again who seems to be the main antagonist and things like that mm-hmm. you know so what here's sorry oh. sorry no continue you know what now that i now that i realize it i, th- I feel like rampart is going to be the agent callus of these shows where he's going to be the main uh... villain as like but to an or sorry <clears throat> he's the underling to someone else but he's the main villain to the bad batch that's what i think is going to mm. happen i think crosshair is the most important character he's going to function like yeah. vader did in the second season of rebels i, I feel like crosshair is going to be that character and that rampart is like underling to grand moff tarkin or whoever like i feel like rampart is just like a throwaway not a not throwaway as a character but like throwaway in his position and mm-hmm. that's where i think they're going my question is do you think the batch is going to get involved with the rebellion at any point in their story i want to say yes but like because we've been discussing the fact that we have no idea where they're going i i'm not so sure anymore because rex is the only clone that we know was in the rebellion so it's like wouldn't he know about the batch and wouldn't he have recommended them or wouldn't he have joined with them the fact Mm -hmm. that he joins years later and he's with gregor and wolf makes me think that that they didn't so i'm like where where are they and that's the curiosity what do they do yeah i mean they're clearly designed for another significant purpose they are not like the other clones i mean they i i don't want to jump all the way ahead to where does their story end but i i do want to know like where do they fit in in the star wars universe i could also see i think one thing that i want from the show is some kind of reunion with the batch where crosshair does join back in their ranks like the way i've been seeing how it plays out is the batch somehow just they all reunite and they're all like well the world doesn't have a place for us or the world is not a place for us to safely be in anymore and they kind of do what rex gregor and wolf did where they just go hide but they it rather than like eventually joining a fight they're kind of like we're, this just isn't for us anymore they they just want to grill that was something that was something we were saying in the first uh podcast season. yeah that's was that, I that was literally we were that. just like they just want to grill like i think I that's exactly that opinion happen. so i guess as we wrap this episode up i i want to know what your predictions are for crosshair for the rest of this season because he seems to be the major like turning point character like he he's gonna be the zuko of this franchise i guess oh absolutely where it's like that's the best way to put it will he won't he and like he's still a main character but he's not a part of the main crew like like that kind of deal so i feel like i feel like crosshair would be the kind of character to do like an epic sacrifice by the end of the Mm -hmm. series or something but yeah what what do you think he's gonna happen to him this season i think he's gonna in his head i think he's gonna think 
that being on the Empire side is what's best. I think in the back of his mind, he's kind of doing it in a way to help the Batch, but he's not realizing that that's what he wants to do right now. I think if he and Cody work together, I think Cody is going to remind him why he doesn't like regs. I think he's going to remember that they didn't like the institutionalization that the clones had and that everything was by the book. It was always following orders, which is something that Crosshair was kind of used to not paying attention to during Clone Wars. So I think working with Cody is going to make him realize like, yeah, I really don't like this. The security is nice, but it's institutionalization. And that's exactly what my group and I didn't like. So I could see at the end him, I could see him being a little more of the callous role where at the end he's like, I'm going to help you, but we we have to make it extremely secret. Like nobody can know that this is happening. And that leads up to his big sacrifice for season two. Yeah, that actually sounds pretty correct. I think you nailed it. I think that's exactly the kind of stuff that's going to happen. And like you said, the callous role of him being like redeemed, I think that's true. I Mm -hmm. think in terms of just being like a generic antagonist for them to be fighting against, I think Rampart is going to fulfill that part of callous. But in terms of like the redemption and the kind of person callous was to the story, you're right. I think Crosshair kind of fulfills that a bit more considering how involved callous was in the early seasons of Rebels when it wasn't them versus the Grand Inquisitor or them versus Vader or them versus Thrawn in the later seasons. So there's a lot they have going here. And that's another character that I don't even want to get into right now because <laughs> it'd be too much is Thrawn. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a character that I'd like to see more of in these other properties. So it'll be interesting to see if he ever shows up again. But with all that being said, I'm, I'm with you on Crosshair. I think that's exactly his story trajectory. I think he is going to realize that the Empire is not for him because he spent so long breaking the rules with his friends that it's like, why am I suddenly now following said rules? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that's not you, sir. That's not you. <laughs> but yeah, there's th- these two episodes, while they were comical and fun, they really do set up a lot for this season. And I'm so glad that we have so many episodes once again to go off of. But I am also left back in that position like, ugh, I only get 22 minutes of the Bad Batch every week. That part I am not looking forward to. But it- it's it's just good to be back in Star Wars animation. I say it every time. I said it in Tales of the Jedi. Star Wars animation is and always will be my favorite just because they just have such a unique storyline no absolutely i'm with you on that um i feel like in terms of the stories we're getting Andor was the first time i could confidently say that a star wars live action tv show made me feel a lot of things that i wanted to feel from those shows and i'm so glad that we still have the animation side to bring us that feeling more consistently so i don't know i'm just really excited to see where they go in the season and the kind of things they come up with for these fun like you said this starts off fun but there's definitely more going on here and one last thing i do want to mention i really like the voice they give this uh captain i forgot his name it's like wilco wilco yeah yeah i i really like the the voice the bradley baker gives him because it's almost like southern has like a slight southern accent and (laughs) it just shows you how good he is at playing all these different clones because this is just a guy who dies so it's not even like a character that's going to come back so yeah had no unique he's not like hauser where he was into it like had the same impact <laughs> yeah no he well he had an impact all right on the floor that's true yeah he, but, <laughs> but but yeah I, it was interesting to see his little side story of him just being a good soldier following orders and then mm-hmm. getting paid uh he has to pay with his life so yeah i'm excited to see where all this goes but this is a fun little two episode premiere not as crazy involved as the one from season one but mm-hmm. i don't think it was ever going to be and i'm glad that the batch is back and we're getting star wars 
animation every week for the next like two or three months so that's pretty awesome hell yeah yes yes we will be here to recap all of it we will be i will be angsty we will be excited but with that thank you for tuning in to another episode of this is the Waycast. for more star wars content head over to boardwalktimes.net and follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at boardwalk times i can once again say it red venge shinies Woo! <laughs>